Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by the Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come, while the podcast explores the impact of the passionate people working to make Edmonton that vibrant city. The Edmonton Community Foundation can help you create an endowment fund by yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. You can find out more right now by checking out thewellendowedpodcast.com. Our whirlwind social calendar continues. <laughs> it is toned down, but yes, it continues. Yeah. And it's actually, it dawns on me, becoming a little bit of an issue. <laughs> because I've had a couple friends bothering me for a while now to get a play reading together. And I haven't had the time to schedule it. Because we've been so busy. It's true. Unsurprisingly, I have done some writing in my time. Uh, I'm, in fact, an award-nominated playwright uh, for many years ago, and um, I have a couple scripts that are kind of on the go and and need some reading from other voices so that I can hear them, so that I can get some input. Um, They're definitely not ready for the stage in any stretch. Um, Not yet. But, uh, yeah, just haven't been able to get it together. And I have some friends who are very interested in reading them and are bugging me to get a reading together. So... As things are starting to quiet down for us in the next couple of weeks, maybe now is the time to actually get those arranged. Yes, before something else happens to the calendar yeah. and it fills up again. Indeed. But yeah. We'll talk about that off mic. We'll, we'll talk organize about that something. Off mic. Yeah. Catching up on our social calendar with all of you, our dear friends and listeners. <laughs> uh, at any rate, uh, I guess we'll just kind of truncate things off the top here today. And uh, this is probably going to be a shorter episode. This was a pretty quick chapter. Yeah. But uh, we'll start with a brief recap of our previous chapter in which Rucker saves Addie and Dom and gets them into the castle, uh, apparently sacrificing his own life to do so. The two of them begin a dungeon crawl through a trap-filled Tor Camelot, uh, ultimately culminating in them making their way into a deadly ballroom and then finding themselves at a crossroads where they decide to take the path that appears to lead them to a dragon and directly into chapter 27 of Questland by Carrie Vaughn. So the chapter is titled, No Living Man Am I? Another strong Tolkien reference. Indeed. Right? I have subtitled my notes with, or, Addie versus a dragon. (laughs) I mean, Addie does not fight a dragon in this chapter, so... Not really. No. So they make their way down the corridor, and indeed, there be a dragon. Yar. And it's a very classic dragon setup. The room that they come across is the size, uh, Addie describes it as the size of like a school gymnasium. Yeah. It is full of treasure. Yes. Piles of gold and, you know, bejeweled goblets. I can only assume all of it is fake. Addie assumes the same thing. That it's all just 3D printed to look like a dragon horde. Yep. And there is a big red dragon atop the horde. Like a... Big red dragon. A, a Smaug-style dragon. Yeah. Asleep. Like, 
when you picture a dragon on a golden horde <laughs> protecting a castle, it's exactly what they've created here. Yeah. Now, this is where verisimilitude falls <laughs> apart. And this is this is true in a lot of different stories that have a dragon on a horde in a dungeon. Question for you. How'd that dragon get in there? I can only assume it was built inside there? Yeah. How does that dragon get out of there? I don't know. Never. Um, <laughs> it busts through the ceiling. Like, I... Uh. If I was hypothetically a tourist pretending to be an adventurer, making my way into the castle, and I came across this dragon, I would have my verisimilitude destroyed. Because I'd be like, how does this dragon survive? Yeah, it, can't go out, it can't go out and hunt. It is stuck in this room. It was built in this room to guard this room. Yes. Nonsense. <laughs> Here's the question I had. You had, how did it get in there? My question was, how did nobody notice? Well, presumably if it was built inside. By who? I would assume Arthur's team. So Arthur knows there's a dragon? Yeah. Does Tess know there's a dragon? Because she has her own dragon. Maybe not. Here's my theory behind what's going on in the castle. Because Dom is frequently gobsmacked <laughs> by <laughs> encountering stuff that he wasn't necessarily expecting. And while he was expecting the dragon, the dragon is clearly weaponized. And much like other stuff that's in this castle that has now been made deadly and isn't going the way that Dom expected it would go, my thinking is that this was part of Harris Lang's trap for Dom, and that he enlisted Arthur, who's his one loyal guy on the inside, to do it. So Arthur's team has probably been in Tor Camelot making it deadly huh. as a trap for Dom. Remember, there is one person who still had the password to get in. Yeah. And it's and Arthur. It was, and it was Arthur. So huh. my thinking is that Arthur's team mm -hmm. built it. So does that make Arthur an accessory to murder? Because he deadlied up the castle? Yeah, kind of. That dragon breathes real fire. Those Gargoyles drones- were shooting real bullets. Yeah, those drones were armed with live ammunition. Either an accomplice or an accessory. I would say probably more of an accessory. I would, I would argue accessory as well. If this trap was designed to entrap Dom and it was designed at the order of Harris Lang, Harris Lang is ultimately culpable. Yes. I mean, he's an eccentric billionaire who absolutely will escape justice because that's the way the world works, but he is ultimately culpable. Okay. I mean, the dinosaurs on Jurassic Park ate a bunch of people, but in the movie, John Hammond does not go to prison, <laughs> even though he is ultimately culpable. Yes. He is a very rich man who gets off with a slap on the wrist. Okay. Here's the difference between Jurassic Park and Mirabilis. Jurassic Park was designed as a theme park... And at no point did Hammond say, hey, make the dinosaurs deadly to kill someone. No, the dinosaurs were just inherently deadly. He was trying to make a real expensive zoo. Yeah. Lang has commissioned one of his toadies to make this deadly for another one. Of his toadies. Of his toadies. That's different. Yeah. That's malice. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Oh, for sure. Addie and Dom are both immediately like, okay need to get by this dragon because the, the path forward is through the dragon horde. Dom points at the door on the other end of the room and is like, that's the control room. <laughs> and Addie's immediately like, I don't think so. This is the last boss. We just need to sneak by. It is asleep. And Addie kind of gets a lay of the land and is like, all right, there's a little bit of space between its tail and the wall. And if we very quietly like scooted our way by without making a bunch of noise, by stepping on all the coins and stuff, <laughs> it's possible we might be able to sneak by. And Dom's like, that seems sound. And Eddie's like, I have an idea. Wait here. And Dom is like, what are you talking about? And she's like, just trust me. 
I'm going to go get a thing. Spoiler alert, Dom does not trust her. No. Because she does go. She makes her way actually all the way back to the front of the castle because she realized that her poor fallen companion Rocker. has a cloak of invisibility on him. Yes. Which, which will be helpful. And she never thought to grab it initially. We kind of didn't mention this in the last episode, but she does go through his pockets and grab a couple of useful things. She never thinks to grab the cloak in, in the moment. Yeah. And when she gets back, unfortunately, sorry, Anita, looks like Rucker's super dead. Ugh, it was awful. And she feels really gross kind of taking the cloak off of his body. But she kind of fortifies herself mentally by assuring herself Rucker would be okay with this. Rucker yeah. would, if anything, probably be proud of her for this. Yeah, for trying to survive, doing what it takes to yeah. to get herself through. And right? that kind of gives her the, the strength she needs to go through with yeah. it. Like, he would actually be okay with this. Like, I'm not disrespecting Rucker and his memory yeah. by leaving him untouched and, like, letting myself fall for yeah. it. Take take the stuff from him that would be useful yeah. to survive. He would be okay with it. If he was still breathing, he would have said, take my stuff live, get out of here. And yeah. we know he would have because for the brief amount of time that we have spent with Rucker, it tracks. She confirms it still works too because it has taken a few bullets. Yes. <laughs> but when she hits like the on switch on the little clasp, it does like sputter a bit and then turns on. So she's like, cool, have a working cloak of invisibility. Yeah. So now she triangles her way back to Dom. Yeah. Uh, she she manages to circumvent the ballroom by taking the, the correct path that yes. they should have taken and uh, makes her way back to find that Dom has gone in without her. Ugh. Because of course he has. Of course he has. But unfortunately, he's alerted the dragon. <laughs> in his clumsy attempt to make his way through the room without the cloak of invisibility, the dragon has awoken. And it takes Addy a moment to realize that the dragon is awake and then the dragon just like gets up. And like stares down Dom. Yeah, and... Addy like runs in and grabs his arm and they both go to run and the dragon, of course, breathes fire at Yep. Them. They manage to like hunker down in the hallway. Dom shields her. Okay. Yes and no. I went back and reread it mm -hmm. when I got to the end of the chapter because I wanted to know for sure. I mm -hmm. wanted to be clear. He doesn't do it on purpose. They go diving down the hallway. It, he collapses beside her mm -hmm. and out of coincidence because of the way they both hit the ground, he takes the brunt, takes of, the brunt of the flame. He did not throw himself over her. He did not move her out of the way. It's just how it happened. Well, however it happens, Dom is now badly burned and probably broke his arm in the fall, too. Probably. He's in a lot of pain, and Addie's like, we need to keep going, because if that thing breathes more fire down the hall, we are barbecued. Yes. So They're basically in a tiny, like, yeah. insulated tube. They've created their own oven. Yeah. So she grabs him whimpering and drags him down the hall and they manage to get out in time for another gout of flame to go down the hall out of range of the fire apparently yes. there's there's a limited range for it the dragon is now up though she can look down the hall and see it like pacing back and forth in the room waiting for them to come back and she's like well that's very bad <laughs> moreover dom is pretty seriously injured like he's yeah. been he's been burned pretty bad he's in he's in really rough shape and she's like you're in shock you need to breathe. You need to stay awake. And his response is, you need to go and turn it all off. And he reaches down and he plucks off all the rings and he just gives them all to her. And yeah. it's like, it's up to you. You need to just shut it all down. Shut everything down. Finally, at long last, Dom has recognized the gravity of the situation. Finally. Look it, what it took to get through to him. Yeah. 
Like, he's beyond even just, like, take over the island. He's just like, no, just shut it all down. Please, we just need to survive. Like, turn it off. We need to get out of here. I cannot believe that it took him this long to realize that he is not the indestructible hero that he thinks he is. No, and, I mean, he even says the words that come out of his mouth in this chapter is, I screwed it all up. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Dom, you did. Yeah. He's made a terrible mistake in his gambit to take over the island. And now people are dead and he is very badly injured. And the sad thing is it took him being very badly injured for him to recognize the gravity of the situation. Right. Other people being hurt. Whatever. An unfortunate casualty for the greater good. Him being hurt. Oh, God, I don't want to play anymore. Turn it off. Get me home. Right. Yeah. Right. Very telling. And Addie in this moment is like, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm the party bard. I'm not an indestructible hero either. <laughs> but she also recognizes like she needs to get help. Like she she needs to do the thing. And that's kind of where the chapter ends off. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about her role? Oh, yes. Because she does find her her lucky die. Yeah. In In stowing away all of her rings, she does not know which is which. No. She can't really tell them apart. No. And one of them is a trap, and one of them is his ring, which didn't work. Right? So yeah. we don't know what she's got. And uh, um, but yeah, she she in in stashing all of that, she finds her lucky D20. And because Addie is Addie, she rolls it. This tracks to me because it's her in a moment of desperation, fumbling for reassurance. Yes. Even if it's from stupid, dumb chance, she needs something. And the die rolls a 20. Well, Which now... is the best possible roll on a, on a 20-sided die from a Dungeons & Dragons perspective. Agreed. I mean, that's reassurance. In, in that moment, that's exactly what she needed to give her that little boost of confidence. And, all, and it's... all I can hope at this point is that Carrie Vaughn honors a nat 20. In a critical, dire situation, if I had done the same thing and I had rolled a 20, that might have given me a boost of confidence. Like, that tracks to me. Yeah. It's tiny. It's insignificant. It is inherently worthless. Yeah. But it is significant to Addie. Yeah. Right? It means something to her. And that's what she needs, I hope. Well, it is what she needs because it's the thing that gets her moving. It gets her back on her feet. Like, she even admits to herself in that moment, like, who am I? I'm I'm a bundle of trauma. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm not the right person to deal with this. In in that moment, she could have just collapsed into a blob and sat there crying for hours. It wouldn't have been helpful, but it would have been, like, understandable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's that stupid little die roll is the thing that gives her that little boost of, like, no, I <laughs> no. can do this. No, the dice, it's, it's the dice w- are in my favor. I've got this. A one in 20 shot? Maybe this is it. And it gets her up on her feet and it gets her moving. Yeah. Any little port in the storm, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Well, especially if she's worried about Dom dying. And she is. She even admits, like, I'm furious at him right now. I've never been more angry at a person in my life. However, that doesn't mean I want him to die. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And he needs help now. There are already enough dead people because of this island. Yes. Right, we have an entire crew and now Rucker. Yeah, 11 people. 11 people. That's too many. That's 11 people too many. That is absolutely 11 too many deaths at an amusement park. Correct. Yes. A lot of deaths lot for of a tour. A lot of deaths for a tour. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Um another thought I had is that Addie going back to Rucker's body a second time mm-hmm. is just it's just a weird form of cruelty. Like the poor woman 
has been through so much. She's going to be in therapy forever now. Yes, it was the right thing to do. Yes, it will probably save her life. Yes, it will break her psyche. It's unfortunate that she didn't think to grab it the first time. I know. Is the simple truth of the matter. But when you're in the moment, you're dealing with shock, you're in danger. That's the kind of stuff you overlook. It's true. To couch it in D&D terms, she didn't have time to take 20 to search his body. No, it's fair. <laughs> she didn't. So she grabbed a bunch of stuff really quickly and on they went. But how much does it cost her to double back? Uh, Enough time that Dom got bored and decided to go challenge a dragon by himself, unfortunately. So two more thoughts I had about this chapter. Uh, one of them is a talk through because it's only a half formed thought. Uh, so the first one then will be, I wonder at what point did the island stop being this fantasy retreat, this utopia that they were trying to create mm -hmm. and become a horrible death trap for its residents. Uh, well, I mean... I, I imagine the shift was subtle. I imagine that the shift was not so subtle. I imagine that the shift happened around the time that Harris Lang got suspicious of everybody. When was that, though? Like, day three. <laughs> like, they've clearly been on this island a long time. It is a well-established, well-built, lots of projects have been finished. Mm -hmm. At some point, they started getting deadly... My guess is it was subtle enough that no one actually noticed too much or cared that hard. I mean, to a certain extent, yes, but I don't think it was a subtle change in the castle. And I think that it happened around the time that Harris Lang told Dom to root out the mole. So that means that Lang would have already been suspicious of Tess. Maybe not suspicious of Tess, but suspicious of something. Well, and then he's why would definitely... he ask Arthur to beep up the castle Well, my if he thinking, didn't trust Dom or Tess? My thinking is he may have also given an order to Tess we're not familiar with. That he may have oh. given all three different teams different orders to protect the island, but didn't tell each other what... Dom's team is looking for the mole. Arthur's team is beefing up defenses. Tess's team is doing something else. And we'll see which one of them has the mole in them. Naha. I didn't Dom, think about that. You're right. And Dom found the mole and then turned on the shield, but Arthur had already beefed up defenses on the castle. Yeah, yeah. And again, maybe Tess was also doing something. Maybe all three of them got very different isolated orders from one another because they weren't talking to one another. Of course they weren't. And Harris had instituted this policy that ensured they weren't going to be talking to one another. So they're already keeping secrets. And he can rely on that to pit them against one another. Oh, the level of messed up in this is so extreme. And this also ensures that if Dom does do his coup, which we can surmise that Harris was pretty confident Dom was the one who was going to attempt to take over the island, that he can't get Arthur or Tess on side. Because he's Dom is suspicious of Tess, and Arthur is suspicious of Dom. Yep, yep. He pitted them against one another. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Harris Lang pitted all the three of them against one another. Yeah, like I said, the levels of messed up on this island are quite extreme. It was. It could never have been a functional fantasy utopia. No, no, not because the way he because built it. from day one it was broken into factions. Yep, broken as an idea. Yeah. So here's my last thought. Also, not all the way thought out. I'm willing to bet that Rucker didn't grab that cloak and march through that door of his own volition. I'm guessing Torres sent him in. That's probable. So what was Torres thinking? What was Rucker's mission supposed to be? Was he there to protect Addy? Was he there to take down Dom? Was he there to help? I mean, Torres just wanted a man on the inside. There like, are there are two worlds. One is that Rucker did take the initiative, did grab a cloak and went in after her because he's made it clear earlier on part of his mission is to protect her. That's one yeah. of his priorities. Yeah, he's not going to let anything happen mission. to her. His job is to help keep Addy alive. 
And Addy's being taken hostage and taken into this unknown place. He may have taken the initiative, grabbed a cloak, and followed them in secret. Mm -hmm. It is also possible that you're right, that Torres threw a cloak on him and said, get in there. But my only reasoning against that was my feeling is Torres would have done that himself. Torres doesn't seem like the kind of guy to delegate that kind of danger to one of his men. I think Torres would have grabbed the cloak and followed her in himself. Except on the outside, if Torres goes missing, people are going to notice. Yeah, and so if what? If he's being sneaky about it, you send in another guy that no one's going to notice. Who cares at that moment if somebody notices? They're well, I don't know. I don't know castle. if he still needs to be sneaky about things or not. Another reason why I think it tracks that Torres would have done it himself in that moment is that he ran down to a beach with a handgun to fight a dragon. To make sure that she was okay. That's true. I really don't think he would have sent Rucker if he had the opportunity to do it himself. I've talked myself out of it. I, I had said early <laughs> you on think there's Rucker two worlds. went rogue and got himself killed. I don't know that he got he went rogue. I think he was working perfectly within the parameters of his mission. I think that he did it himself, though. Yeah, it's possible. And I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. It's just to me it tracks more that if Torres had the opportunity to do it, he would have done it himself. He wouldn't have sent Rucker in. I got nothing else to say to that. Again, I was, I'm not just flatly disagreeing with no, no, you. No. It's as I was walk, as I was talking <laughs> myself through it, I realized that it, it tracks more that Torres would have just done it himself. So I, in, in my mind, it tracks both ways. Fair enough. And I still wonder what was Rucker's mission on oh. the inside. Like he's, unfortunately he's dead. We're pretty sure he's dead. What was he supposed to be doing? What was he sent in to do? And, or what did he think he was going Save to Addie do? Save Addy stopped Dom. Really? That, that would be my guess. But then they got drone attacked. And but then they got drone that attacked. Didn't happen. That so, sucks. Yeah. Keep Addy safe is probably more paramount. Possibly. They are. Everyone is trying to get to this control room to like shut down this island. Mm -hmm. Right? Dom wants to take it over, or he did. Torres wants it shut down. I'm pretty sure Arthur and Tess are okay with it being shut down too, because the veil has been lifted, I'm sure. I'm quite confident that everyone below them would like to go home now. If I can posit a scenario i think the plan was that rucker would follow the two of them to the point where dom attempted to take control of the island would then reveal himself and get dom to stand down and then help addy take over the island yeah to shut it down to shut it down unfortunately they got attacked by a trap right off the cuff and his order to protect addy supersedes the order to take over the island yeah and so at that point, he threw himself in the way of bullets. Well, and he was behaving like a soldier in that moment. That protect the right? civilians. Protect the civilians. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up there before we talk any more in circles. Yeah. Uh, there Sorry. will be plenty more to discuss next week as well, because probably we're going to confront the dragon. We're going to take week. on a dragon. Uh, we'll find out as we read chapter 28 of our novel, which you'll want to get read up on in time for next week. And in the meantime, the island probably would have benefited from having better communication between the three teams and a good way to do that is to ensure that there's like maybe a news service set up for the island where they can get everybody can go and get frequent updates about what's going on maybe a town crier or a bulletin board if you want to keep it all within the the reality of the world now the good news is if you are looking for local news content you probably don't have to worry about having a town crier bring it to you certainly Right here in Edmonton, we have the benefit of Taproot Edmonton, which keeps us apprised of local doings, and they have been a longtime supporter of the network, and we, in turn, like to give them a little shout-out. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics. 
including food, tech, health, innovation, arts, and business. Taproot gathers up the headlines and happenings on these files and delivers them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you want more, become a Taproot member. Then you can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get informed at taprootedmonton.ca. Yeah, Taproot Edmonton. Uh, you can find out more about them, the other sponsors, the other podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. If you find another podcast there that is to your liking, you can probably download it on your podcatcher of choice. It's probably where you're getting this pod. Yep, probably. You could give us a little rating and a review there. Oh, that would help would us out. appreciate that a great deal. Yeah, you can also reach out to us on social media. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. Pick your favorite. We are at The Read Along on most of them. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Absolutely. We are TheReadAlong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Yarrow, dragons. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.